0: Welcome to my Parsha Share this week for Tazria Matsura. We're going to uh, look at an interesting piece from Parshas uh, Tazria. Uh, I'd like to thank Aaron, Aaron and Lillian Fuchs, and their son Jason, um, who have sponsored today's Parsha Share in memory of Lillian's father, and Jason's grandfather, and of course Aaron's father-in-law. Irving Glatter, Yitzchok ben Dov Beret, his yard site is on the 29th of Nissan, It was earlier this week. And of course, um, we wish everybody uh, a long life. The Neshama should have an Aliyah. And in Mir Hashem, we should be zoiched to see trias HaMesim. Thank you everyone for joining me. For the Parsha share. those who are watching live on Zoom, those who are watching it on YouTube, and those who are listening to it on the, on the SoundCloud recording. Uh, if you want to download the source sheet, you can do so by clicking on the link which should be available in, in the various formats on the various outlets that we have for my Shu'rim. Um, today's shear is called The Power of Seven. That's the title of the shear. Uh, and it's nominally connected to parashat As we're going to see and we're going to look at an asivas Shalom about the number seven and how it's connected we're going to see in a moment but first i want to read you a piece which i found online which i found very cute and i think it's worth sharing it's written by somebody called Chaviva gordon bennett i love that name by the way because gordon bennett was an expression that we used to use in england to sort of express surprise, you can look it up online. Apparently, Gordon Bennett was some type of press baron in the eighteen hundreds, who was renowned for his um, less uh, than reliable news. He was a fake news merchant. In any event, Gordon Bennett doesn't seem to be Javiva's real name, or, although she—that's the name she goes by. I think she has. Uh, an original name, which you can search this all up online, which of course I did, because I'm curious about every aspect of information. I am an information junkie. There's no information which I'm not interested in. I've never I've never met Javiva Gordon Bennett. I'm fascinated by her surname. If anyone knows her or has any contact with someone who does, I'd love to know why she chose Gordon Bennett as her surname. But in any event, let me tell you what she wrote about the power of the number 7 in Judaism. The number 7, she says, is incredibly prominent throughout the Torah from the creation of the world in 7 days to the holiday of Shavuot, which we're going to celebrate in a few weeks, uh, which literally means weeks. How many weeks does it take from Pesach to Shavuot? 7. 7 is a vital number in Judaism symbolizing somehow completion we're going to see that in the nasivas sholom why seven is important well we're not going to really see why we're just going to understand why there are hundreds you hear that word hundreds of other connections to the number seven but here are some of the most important ones recognizable to anyone who is familiar with judaism and with jewish customs i'm going to rattle off a list and I'm sure you'll find it interesting, it, it's sort of random information, it's trivia. But trivia is important. And around your Shabbos table this week, you'll be able to regale people with the number 7. Not just via the information and the parish of the Nesivas Sholem, but with certain facts, factoids, let's call them, regarding the number 7 and its connection, its intimate connection with, the, with Judaism. The verse The very first verse, the first pasuk of the Torah, how many words does it have? Seven words. What day is Shabbat? Seventh day of the week. That's actually going to be very key. Every Shabbat, how many people do we call up to the Torah? Shabbat is the holiest day of the week. It's the seventh day of the week. How many people do we call up to the Torah? Seven people we call up for the Torah reading. We add on an extra one for maftir, but that doesn't count. We call up seven people for the actual reading of the Torah. There are seven key laws called the Sheva, Mitzvah, Bnei, Noach. Those are the laws that God expects every human being to observe. It applies to all of humanity. How many days do we have in the festivals of Pesach and Sukkot? Seven days. We can see that in Vayikra, Perik Chavgimel, Pasuk Vav, and in Pasuk Lamed Daled. we know that these two festivals have seven days. Now there's an extra day which is added after the seventh day of Sukkot, called Shemini Atzeret. There's a whole reason for that, but essentially the festival of Sukkot has seven days. How many um, days does Shavuot have? One. Oh, you've got a good question now, right? If seven is such an important number, Why does Shavuot only have one day? It should have seven days. It's a good question. I'm going to answer it for you. When do we celebrate Shavuot? At the end of how many weeks? Seven weeks. So in fact, it is through the completion of the number seven that we celebrate Shavuot. So Shavuot may only be one day in and of itself, but it is a celebration of the number seven. Here's a sad one. When somebody passes away in your family, How many days do we sit down and mourn? In fact, the clue is in the name that we give to that mourning, it's called Shiva. What does Shiva mean? Seven. We sit for seven days in mourning. Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest leader of the Jewish nation, the foundational, the founding leader of the Jewish nation. How many, what was the day of the month on which he was born? Zayin Adar, he was born on the seventh day of the month of Adar and in fact he died on the very same day. His Yahrzeit and his birthday were on the same day. How long did each of the plagues in Egypt last? Do you know the answer to that question? I think by now you probably do. If you've been watching or listening to this you know that the number is seven. There are seven days for each of the plagues in Egypt that's how long there were frogs in Egypt that's how long there were lice in Egypt that's how long each of the plagues in Egypt lasted how many branches did the menorah in the base Hamikdash have it wasn't six and it wasn't eight it was seven there were seven branches to the menorah there are seven major holidays in the Jewish calendar year do you want to hear the names of the, uh, you know them of course, but I'm going to read them to you Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, chanukah Purim, Pesach, and Shavuot. We have seven festivals in the Jewish calendar year. How many times does a bride walk around the groom? How many times does the color walk around the Chatan at the Chuppah when they celebrate their wedding? seven times there are seven days of celebration after a wedding how many brachot do we recite at each fest at each festive occasion celebrating a wedding sheva brachot we recite seven brachas, seven blessings Israel the land of Israel Eretz Israel, is celebrated via something called the sheva meaning sheva Minim are the seven species of fruit or things that grow. We have wheat, we have barley, we have grapes, pomegranates, figs, dates, olives. There are seven Minim which grow in Eret Yisrael for which it is celebrated. There are seven female prophets, naviot, who are named in the Talmud. The Talmud says there were seven Neviyot, it's a Gemara and Megillah, Sarah, Miriam, Devorah, Chana, Avigail, Khulda, and Esther So we see, uh, by the way, this is by no way an exhaustive list It's a very short list that was combined by Chaviva There are many many other sevens which are relevant to Jewish tradition and Jewish custom We're going to be talking about some of them today which are not mentioned on this list but which are um, very important and we're going to try to get to, to the core of why seven is so important, and by way of introduction, uh, uh, let me say this, let me give you a sort of foundational observation, something which is a, a fundamental aspect of what it means to be Jewish. The world was created in six days, what happened in, uh, after six days, and we don't know what that six days means, we don't know if it's a literal 624 hour day, thing or whether each of those days represents a much longer period as is mentioned in the ramban and many others but whatever the case may be that's not important we know that on the seventh day finally when odom harishain and chava were created there was something called shabbat the word shabbat comes from the word rest and it means that there was a seventh day now that seventh day became crucially important For the Jewish nation. Because we were instructed. V'Shomru v'nei Yisrael. Es HaShabbat. We have to. Every single week. Commemorate. The anniversary of the 7th day. After the 6 days of creation. By observing the laws of Shabbat. For some reason. God chose the number 7. As being a crucially important number. Now. I'm not a mathematician, I'm not one of these people, people who's obsessed with numbers, but I do know that the number seven is exceptionally important in Jewish tradition. And I think that we have to accept that as a given before we go on with our share, before we discuss any aspect of the number seven, we have to simply accept the reality the God, for whatever reason, designated that the number seven is important. There were six days of creation, then there was number seven. And that seven is reflected throughout Jewish tradition as an important number. Now let's look at the Nesivas Shalom. But parashiyos Elu, he says, in these parashiyos of Tazria, Metzorah, etc., we see several times the importance of a period of time which is measured in terms of days how many days seven days um, how long does a Matsuira, somebody who's afflicted with tzora how long does he have to quarantine or she have to quarantine for? How, how long do they have to be in isolation? You know, previously in years previous gone by when I was give a share about being in isolation, people didn't know what I was talking about. I think we are all familiar right now. After having gone through a year of isolation and lockdowns and quarantines, we know exactly what it means to be in quarantine. Well, how long does a Matsura need to be in quarantine? Do you know the answer? I'm not going to ask you to guess. And thankfully, uh, I can't hear any of you, but I know that you're all shouting at the screen or at whatever audio device you have in order to hear my share. You're all shouting seven, seven days. They need to quarantine for seven days. You're absolutely right. That's how long a soira somebody who is afflicted with Tsuras, has to quarantine. As it says in the pasuk, Guess what? The Cohen, the priest is going to diagnose the mudsorah as having Tzora'as and he's going to say to him, "You need to go into quarantine. How long do you need to go into quarantine for? Seven days. That's how long the quarantine period is. Well, that's interesting. It's an interesting number, as we've said. Seven is an interesting number. And if he discovers, after seven days, the Kohen discovers that the negat tzoraas, whatever it is that tzoraas is, still is uh, is, uh, visible to him, he would then set the uh, matzora. he would tell him he has to remain in quarantine how long for? not three days not two weeks exactly one week of seven days <speaking in Hebrew> how does it how does the parsha uh, begin? Isha kitazria, <speaking in Hebrew> what happens if a woman gives birth to a child how long does she have to be confined for? Uh, after she's given birth to the child she has to go if she has a baby boy she has to go into quarantine for seven days but if she has a girl she has to go into quarantine for two weeks we're going to address that hopefully we'll get, we'll get there today but the Nesiva shalom does address that by the way if you want to download the Nesiva shalom. Just click on the link, um, which is in the uh, on the comments here on the Zoom or on the YouTube, or on the SoundCloud. If you're looking at this on my website, there is a link on my website as well. You can download the Nesivas Sholem. It's three pages. And we're going to go through, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but we're going to go through most of it. And we're hopefully going to reach the piece where we deal with the girl um, ha- generating the need for the mother a girl who's born generates the mother's need to quarantine for two weeks. The chaim b'shaar in yonei tum mamatino shivas yom says the nesivos shalom. By the way, it's not something that's just about a matzora or ishakit tazria. Every single person who becomes tamei, we see that the number seven seems to be a very significant number. They need to. They need to quarantine themselves for seven days somebody who is contaminated by close contact with a corpse also seven days it says seven days we see that in every aspect of kedusha of sanctity there is also a connection to this number seven seven days plays a significant role Shabbos hu yom hashvi. We also know that Shabbos, as I've mentioned already, is the seventh day. Pesach, heim yomim. Pesach, the festival, Sukkos, the festival, they are seven days. We know that there are seven weeks which come before Shabbos. You need to have seven full weeks before you can celebrate the festival of shavuos by the way the festival of shavuos doesn't happen on the 49th day you count 49 49 days of sverasa omer and after that on the 50th day is shavuos we need to really explain why seven seems to be such a crucial element here the chazal omro what do chazal say anything to do with the number seven is beloved is cherished and we need to understand why it is that Hashem loves the number 7 why he seems to be so connected to the number 7 and what it means for us what can we learn from the number 7 so that is really the backdrop to this year the power of 7 let us try and understand over the next half an hour or so why the number 7 is so important in Judaism are you with me you're ready for more let's go for it the Farisha inyan. let's explain it kamama admo we know the base of Rome, says that the sefer shalom one of his um his preceding rebbes of uh, he, he was of course a, a, a rebbe himself but he wasn't the first one in the dynasty There were other Slonim rebbes who came before him. One of them wrote a sefer called the Beis Avram, Reb Avram Weinberg, and um, he quotes him as follows: "La pasuk v'shavsa arit shabbos Lashem. That the fact is that we know that there's another significant seven in Jewish tradition. It's called Shemitah. Do you know what Shemitah is? Next year, by the way, is going to be Shemitah. In Rosh Hashanah, we're going to begin a Shemitah year. Shemitah means that you need to let the land lie fallow you're not allowed to um, put any seeds into the ground you're not allowed to grow anything you're not allowed to uh, um, harvest anything during the um, year of Shemitah in Eret Yisrael and we know that Shemitah happened in the seventh year six years you can work your land but on the seventh year you're not allowed to work your land the base of says the Nesiva Shalom commented on this fact that the Shavzah HaOretz Shabbos Lashem He says, you know what? At every level of creation, there is this aspect of Shabbos, of the seventh being important. He says, and even Even the ground, the earth, what's underneath your feet, which is the lowest possible form of anything, even that has Shabbos. Don't imagine that Shabbos is just for lofty, intelligent and spiritual people. No, it's even for something which isn't a person. It's not even an animal. There is something as Shabbos Lashem connected to the earth, the thing that you tread all over when you're walking. There has to be a Shabbos for the earth. And for that reason, says the Beit Avram, we can understand a fundamental principle. Every Jew, doesn't matter what level they are, doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter who they're with, doesn't matter where they live, whoever you are, wherever you live, whatever your background, whatever your knowledge, whatever your understanding of Shabbos is, Shabbos applies to you. Shabbos is in your life. Shabbos has to play a crucial role in who you are as a Jew. You could be an Oretz. You could be in the the land. Like, you know, the type of thing that in a spiritual level, you think, Oh, everybody's treading all over me. Who cares about me? I'm not important. No. The Shavsah HaOretz, Shabbos LaShem, even the Oretz has to have Shabbos LaShem every single jew needs to have shabbos in their lives even somebody who's at the lowest level at least says the that at least once in seven years you should keep shabbos properly uh, by the way the base of is not suggesting that we only keep shabbos once in seven years we need to keep it every week every seven days but at the very least, we all have this power of Shabbos in our lives. We have the ability to access whatever it is that Shabbos has to offer. Habir Boze says the Nesivah Shalom, I want to explain it to you. And he quotes Isaiah, Shabbos Ihu Yoima D'Nishmasa, V'Lav de Gufa Klau. Do you know what Shabbos is? Shabbos is a spiritual day. It's not a materialistic day. It's not a day where where we deal with the mundane matters of life. It's It's a spiritual day. It's a day of your neshama. It's a day of your soul. It's a soul day. That's what Shabbos is. Do you know what that means? That Shabbos in and of itself is the neshama, the soul of creation. We have a day that God gave us. He chose seven. By the way, God could have chosen six, could have chosen eight, he could have chosen forty-two. Uh, if, you, you know, if you're a fan of uh, hitchhiker, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, forty-two is an important number. But that's not the number he chose. He chose the number seven. Seven is the energy. Seven is the vibe. Seven is the chius, is the lifeblood. It's the oxygen of the spiritual world. And he gave it to us through the medium of the seventh day of the week, which we call Shabbos. The entire universe is energized in a spiritual way by the day that we call Shabbos. We know that the world was created sort of in a parallel to our own creation we have a guf we have a ruach we have a, everything we have a nefesh but we have an neshama we have a soul the world creation has a soul but what are we talking about so you think of the world purely in physical terms you think planet earth Planet earth is planet earth does planet earth have an neshama ask a scientist they will tell you are you crazy do you know what you're talking about how can you measure an Ashama? That's what the scientists will say. What about the moon? Does the moon have an Ashama? You know what the answer is? The moon has an Ashama. It's not something you can measure, it's not something that you can empirically prove. But the moon has an Ashama. The world has an Ashama. The Milky Way has an Ashama. The entire universe has an Ashama. How can you access that Ashama? God created a portal. It's called the number seven. The number seven is the portal to all aspects of spirituality that the world, that creation, has to offer. The Shivas That's why you've got this seven days. Shisha there were six days of creation. Of the entire universe, the whole universe was created in those six days. However, we're going to understand those six days. It's not important. We know it's divided into six. And we know that at the end of those six, there was something called seven, something called Shabbos. All aspects of creation fit into that number six. How do you inject? How did creation really come about? It didn't happen. It wasn't possible. It wasn't able to in any way generate itself until it had an Ashama. By the way, this is an important piece of information because it relates to you and me as well. We have bodies, right? I'm assuming if you're watching this or listening to this, you have a body. How is your body animated? Your body is animated by the life blood that goes through it the heart that's pumping the brain that's working that's what we think right if you ask a scientist they'll tell you if somebody's brain dead they're not alive if your heart's not pumping you're going to die it's all true but how do these things happen how does a life begin how does a life sustain itself what is the difference between a dead body and a live body very little immediately after death almost nothing Somebody can be alive and dead a second later. You look at the body. Any scientist will tell you that that body a minute ago was able to function fully as a living human being. And a second or few seconds later was no longer alive. Why should that be the case? All the elements that were there a few seconds ago are still there. Why is it no longer alive? I've got the answer, by the way. It's not a complicated answer. There is something in you called an neshama. God gives you a spirit of life. And that life sustains life. There's people who shouldn't be alive. By medical standards and scientists look at them and say How is it possible that this person is walking and breathing and talking and doing all the things that they're doing? It's not possible. It doesn't make any sense. And then there's people who are completely healthy. There's nothing wrong with them. And you, they die and they go to the mortuary and they have a postmortem, and the they just can't wait I mean of course they can tell you the heart stopped or the but there was nothing wrong with them why did they die the neshama was no longer active or no longer should I put it this way proactive it was no longer sustaining life within that body now we've just discussed this this in a in the sense of a human being how about the world how about not just your Individual life, but life as we know it, the universe. Uh, you know, Einstein, when he was thinking of his theories of relativity, and he, was, he came up with all kinds of mathematical equations, and he understood physics better than anybody else. You know the famous story that uh, Chaim Weizmann and Einstein traveled to America to raise money for the Zionist cause. Of course, we're on the cusp of Yom HaTzma'ut. It's appropriate to mention this story, mainly because most American Jews were virulently anti-Zionist in the 1920s. Anyway, he came to America. They'd been on for six days on a ship traveling from Europe and they traveled together. And there were many Jews who wouldn't see them. There were some who would. They raised a bit of money, but not quite as much as they thought that they would raise in America. The United States was home to the wealthiest community in the Jewish community in the world. And he was asked, tell me something. A reporter asked him at the press conference, you were together with, with Albert Einstein for a, for a week, for six days. What did you talk to him about? So he said, you know what? We took long walks every day around the ship. He used to walk around the perimeter of the ship. It was a big steamer. And um, we would talk about all types of things. So they said to him, Mr. Weitzmann, did he explain to you the theory of relativity? Because the theory of relativ- uh, relativity was relatively new at that stage. And there were a lot of people who were interested to hear what else Einstein had to say about the theory of relativity. And after all, Chaim Weizmann was a famous scientist, he was a chemist. He wasn't a, uh, somebody who studied physics, but he was a chemist. So they asked him, did Einstein talk to you about the theory of relativity? And what did he say? Can you share it with us? And Einstein said, you know, we walked around the ship every single day for a few hours, for a couple of hours. And we talked about everything, and including the theory of relativity. Well, they said, Mr. Weisman, do you understand the theory of relativity now that you've heard it from Mr Einstein himself he said I can tell you this Mr Einstein spoke to me about the theory of relativity every day for a couple of hours as we walked around the ship I can tell you I don't understand a word but I I do know this he understands every word that much I can tell you that's what I learnt that he knows what he's talking about I haven't the faintest idea what he's talking about the bottom line my friends, is that we don't know, really, much about the way the world functions. We can tell you scientific details, and of course there's many more people today who understand Einstein's theories, and they've advanced further theories, and we know about the Big Bang, that came much later in the 1940s, and we know all types of things about the world and how it works that weren't known in previous eras, and uh, even 50 or 100 years ago, were never dreamt of. And yet, we still struggle to explain the core and the essence of how the universe functions. He says, Sholem, I have no problem with that. He's not, by the way, he doesn't mention Einstein, he doesn't mention Chaim Weitzman, he doesn't mention science. But he's telling you a very important gesoid, a fundamental principle, which is that the universe runs because Hashem gave it an ashamah. That's why it runs. And if Hashem withdraws that neshama, For one moment, for a second, that's all it takes, the universe wouldn't exist. That neshama is the chiyus of the world. That's what gives the universe its life and its life force. That's what we need to understand. Says the Nesiva Shalom. HaShabbos HuYoy Shabbos is the ultimate, it's the most concentrated form of that, it totally devoted to that side of creation all other aspects of creation become marginal on shabbos because shabbos is devoted to nishmasa to the neshama this concept this idea that the neshama is what enlivens all of creation the wrote, Every Shabbos, the world is re energized through Shabbos. So for the six days that I lie ahead of that Shabbos, they are only able to function. They're only able to exist. We're only able to do what we do. Those six days Because there was a Shabbos That came before You have a guf You have a Nefesh You have a Ruach You have all those things But if you don't have an Neshama Nothing's going to happen Your body's not going to function You can't see it Try and define an Neshama It's not possible I can't define something Which which lacks any criteria for definition but it's what gives life to every single human being without it without having it the neshama, you cannot live the, the body will collapse Every aspect of creation is animated through one thing, it's the, it's the concept, the aspect of Shabbos, which animates all of creation. Like a neshama animates a human being, that's at a micro level, and the macro level, it is the neshama of the world, the Shabbos, that animates all of creation, even those aspects of creation which are at their lowest ebb, which are you would consider to be totally unspiritual, they can only exist, they can only function, they can only be of any value or any use because of Shabbos. Shabbos is then a and that's why we know that God loves this idea of seven. Seven seems to be crucial, a crucial component to creation. Shabbos and Shavi are synonymous with each other. Um, every Number seven that exists in creation is beloved to God because it's somehow reminiscent of Shabbos and God loves Shabbos. Therefore, he loves anything which is seven. Seven plays a crucial role in every aspect of human existence. Now you have to understand something. Every time the number seven is mentioned in the Parsha, the reason, it, the reason it is mentioned is because of Shabbos. Shabbos is the reason behind every number seven that we have in Parshas Tazria and anywhere else. Because Shabbos, it, it's really a hint or it's somehow meant to bring out this concept of Shabbos because Shabbos is what allows the world to continue to exist. The spiritual value, the spiritual life which really truly is the life of creation only exists as a result of the Shabbos Shabbos elevates every aspect of creation let's remember all aspects of creation which are physical which aren't spiritual are false they're fake that's the fact but we have this, this ability, they have a catalyst, we have this energy which exists in the world called Shabbos, which somehow can bring out the spiritual aspect of that which is physical, which is really predominantly Sheker. shekolin in because every aspect of creation whether it's going to be at the highest levels of creation or whether it's going to be at the lowest the deepest depths of places that we don't want to be every aspect of creation is animated as a result of shabbos and therefore every aspect of let's say purity from Contamination via contact with a corpse, and every other shivas That's why you need a seven-day period in order to go through a purification process. Because it's only through the power of seven that that which is bad, that which is rotten, that which is unwanted can be eradicated in the world the power of seven is so strong that it's a cleanser it is the ultimate cleanser i wish we would have the power of seven as something that could clean our homes that that could clean our minds that could clean all the different things that we have that need cleansing the power of seven is what really enables us to get rid of every aspect of that which exists in creation that we don't want. The Gam call in every aspect of tumor of impurity, of ritual impurity that comes from some aspect of, of bad shalabria of the creation, it's through the shabbos that you're able to eradicate them and get rid of them. We know that creation contains both good and it contains bad. God created a kind of alternative force called the Sitra Akram, which is a very negative element. It pulls people away from spirituality. It's part of this idea that we have free choice. I'm not going to go into those details now. Shahu hara shel the bad parts of creation, those which tend you and drift you in the wrong direction, they are called Ra. <speaking in Hebrew> How can we purify them? How can we get rid of them? How are we able to process them in such a way that we're not going to be contaminated by them? It is only through the strength, the power of Shabbos Kodesh, the power of seven. <speaking> in <Hebrew> which in and of itself is. indicates and hints at this idea of seven days and it's hinted at in this concept of seven days being the period by which you can um, cleanse yourself from any kind of impurity. So, that's because any strength that the Sitra Achra has, it can't get through this cushion Of seven days. If you go through this process properly. But for a full seven days. The Sitra Akhra will never win. It will never get the better of you. Why? Here's something fascinating. Because there's some aspect of seven days. Which can never be undermined. Do you know what it is? Every seven day period. Whether you like it. Or you don't like it. Is always going to have a Shabbos it doesn't matter if you start on Sunday or if you start on Friday or indeed on Shabbos. There is always going to be a Shabbos in a seventh-day period. And therefore, seven days is a standard. It's a bit of a blunt instrument. It's a standard time period that has been set in order to ensure that anybody who wants to rid themselves of something which is impure will go through a seven-day period, because during that seven days, ultimately, and without any question whatsoever, there's always going to be a Shabbos. And Shabbos is the power, it's the battery, it's the koyach that you're going to need in order to eradicate and eliminate any aspect of Sitra Akhra that may exist within you. That's why there is this maximum period of seven days, because you'll need nine days. You, all you need is seven days, because during that seven-day period, you're guaranteed a Shabbos. Because we know that during that period of seven days, there will be a Shabbos which will be used as the springboard, as the foundation for making sure that you can eliminate any aspect of Tumah from your life. But there's something more. Just remember this. Shabbos is not something just that can cure a person from Tumah that can somehow get rid of and eradicate and Eliminate tumah. That's not just what Shabbos is about. Shabbos, in fact, in and of itself, is a source of Kedusha, a source of holiness. It's not just that God blessed Shabbos. He sanctified it. There are both. There is the blessing of Shabbos, because it is this source of good, but also it's a source of kedusha. It can elevate you, even if you are not trying to get rid of tome but you want to use the Shabbos in a positive way. It can be mekadesh you by kadesh oisai inyan Let's understand this. What is bracha? Bracha is. Uh, the true blessing is: I want to get rid of anything bad. <speaking in Hebrew> Through the blessing of Shabbos, we are able to eradicate any bad. <speaking in Hebrew> we know that a, a, a person, a Jewish person, can make sure that they are uh, they can um, totally shed off any tuma and any bad, any negativity that they may have in their lives it's a sur mirav situation that's what it means the blessing of Shabbos is a sur mirav blessing getting rid of bad but kedusha is something more it takes you beyond getting rid of the bad and it brings you into the good you know what? You have an opportunity on Shabbos, not just to get out of the bad, but also to embrace the good and become embraced by the good. There's not only via varekhle kemesyamashvi, there's also vaya kadesh oysai. The hulkamoshe kosva masilas and this is what the Mesilas Yasharim writes. The Inyan tahara uh um mevia uh what is tahara? Tahara, purification, brings you, meviya lidei kedusha, brings you into a situation of sanctity. It enables you, it creates the possibility for you, the opportunity for you to become kaddosh. El- l- Truthfully, tahara, you could really achieve in and of, just through your own um, efforts, you are able to achieve that, that, um, uh, uh, situation of being Toher right, that's, that's a fact how are you able to elevate yourself to this exceptionally high standard that we refer to as Kedusha like being in the base how could you be? how could you be that oh it's all very well to say I'm not doing anything bad I'm a very good person, why? because I didn't do anything wrong does that make you a very good person? No, it just makes you a person who didn't do anything wrong. You're a sur meirah person, but how do you become a vaasei person? You need to graduate from va'yavarichalekem Mashvi to Kadesh oisai. You need to graduate onto the next level. How do you do that? In adam That you can't do on your own. You need help. By the way, it's very important in life to admit that you need help. You can't do everything on your own. People who think they can do everything on their own never achieve their full capacity. It's not possible. Everybody in life, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter if you're the greatest person, if you're the great, if you're the president, if you're the prime minister, if you're the great rabbi. I promise you, if you went to Reb Chaim Kanievsky and you said to him, "Did you become Reb Chaim Kanievsky because of all of your, uh, your own efforts and you weren't helped by anybody?", he'd look as if, at you as if you were nuts. You mad? Of course not. Reb Chaim Kanievsky had help a hundred times along the way, because not, it's not possible to become a great person without receiving assistance you could be a surmira person that's i wouldn't say it's easy but you could do it yourself you can make sure that you don't do anything wrong but how do you become a great person how do you become an tov person how do you become a person you need help that is clear it says here in the Siva kadesh. You need to make every effort to become someone who's a holy and sanctified person. First part is the Heshtadlus that you put in and in the end, God gives it to you as a great gift. We know that every aspect of Kedusha ultimately can be sourced and rooted in shabbos that's why pesach and sukkah are not just one day they have to be a full week we know that there's always going to be a shabbos in the middle of a yom tov there's going to be a pesach and during Pesach, we are Shabbos. Doesn't matter, by the way, if it's Shabbos or Shabbos on Yom Ziv, But during Pesach, there is a Shabbos. Therefore, that's the anchor. It's the Kedusha anchor that you need in order to turn Pesach into something holy. Sukkus, the same thing. You can't have Sukkus without having a Shabbos in it. Uh, what do I need a Shabbos for? I've got Sukkus. No, no. If you don't have a Shabbos during Sukkus, then you wouldn't have Sukkus because the Anchor of Kedusha in the festival of Sukkus is not Sukkus, it's Shabbos, because it's Yoimadanishmas of Haga who achar Shivas Shivashvois. And Shavuos in and of itself comes after it's the name of the festival, comes after seven weeks. Hagiala Shel in order to achieve the ultimate Kedusha, the ultimate level of holiness, spirituality, and sanctity. In order to receive the Torah, the only way that you can do it, how am I going to receive the Torah? How am I going to get it? I'm going to receive it because I didn't have just one week of seven days. I had seven times seven days, and then I can have Shavuos, then I can receive the Torah. I need seven complete weeks. Seven weeks which have Shabbos in them in order to achieve the level of sanctity that I require in order to receive the Torah. And that's what it meant when God said to the Jewish nation before they received the Torah You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation lazer darga you need in order to achieve this the level that's called kadusha the Kane Hachana Saturah, the preparation for Kabbalah Saturahi, Ali de Sheva, Shabbos to Mimois to you need seven complete weeks that include a Shabbos in each of them, Shekade Lahagia, Ladagas, Goy Kodosh, Trichim Eskaya Shabbos Koidesh. Because in order to get to that level that God required of us, of being a holy nation, you need to have had to um have celebrated or have uh, had a period of time that included seven full weeks, which included each and every one of them, included a Shabbos. We see this in a quotation that we have here from Chazal, which is found from Mishnas Rebbe Eliezer in um, uh, Mishnas Rebbe Eliezer. He quotes it and he says it, and this is fascinating. He says it explicitly. You know what? The chagim are special. Do you know why? Because there's not one of them that doesn't include a Shabbos. The, the festival of Pesach, seven days. The ain't Shiva below Shabbos, there's no such thing as seven. You can't have seven. Without Shabbos included. Greater even than those festivals of Pesach and Sukkos is the festival of Shavuos, which doesn't just have one Shabbos. It has, in order to get there, seven Shabbos, because there were seven weeks, each of them including a Shabbos. We can see that Shabbos is greater than all the festivals. And it also says there in that Mishnas Rebbe Shabbos. All these excessive um, impurities, all of those which are mentioned cannot possibly be fully purified until they have gone through a full week of seven days. Why? Because they need to have passed through a Shabbos in order to energize their purification process. (laughs) Says the Nesivas Shalom. Now let's explain why you need one week and two weeks. One for a Zohar, for a male child, and 2 weeks for a female child let's begin by uh, quoting this Sefer, which says that when a some somebody who's suffering from Tzaraz, has to go into quarantine, they have to go for a full week because it includes Shabbos, and Shabbos, in fact, is the most important day of the purification process. <laughs> What is Shabbos? Shabbos is a time when you completely, you uh, divorce yourself from Olam Hazer in the sense that you don't work, you're not involved in doing anything that's going to sustain you materially, materialistically uh, during Shabbos and that is going to teach you that oilam Hazer is not important and that is a crucial part of the process for you to be able to purify yourself if you are suffering from Tzaras Remember what we said that if one Shabbos wasn't enough the coin comes back he sees the fellow still got a Negat Tzaras he says obviously the Shabbos that you did you didn't do it properly You've got to keep Shabbos properly. If you don't keep Shabbos properly, then you're not going to be cured from your Tzeras. You need to go through another week. You need to keep another Shabbos in order for you to get cured from your Tzeras. Why do you need two Shabboses? Why would, if the first Shabbos didn't help you, why would the Kohen think... If you do a second Shabbos, that is going to help. Obviously, Shabbos is not something he's taken on board. Why would he take it on a second time? <inaudible> Says the Nesiva Shalom, I'm going to explain it to you in the way that I explained it elsewhere. <inaudible> there is this concept of Shabbos that came before the chait, before the Aveira. He <inaudible> What is that? That is something which is to do with Aseitov, doing the right thing. That's the Shabbos that comes before the Chait. is Shabbos. is baShem shabbos. Somehow the Aseitov element of Shabbos that will become clear during that first Shabbos. But it's not going to be clear yet, the sur may, um, the Tov may be good, but you're not going to yet have the full effect of the Shabbos in order to cleanse yourself. The, the, the whole problem of Shabbos is, remember what we said, that you've got these two aspects, you've got the Sur Meirah and you've got the Asay the sur Meira aspect, okay. So you you kept Shabbos and you didn't do anything wrong, but you didn't embrace the Kedushah of Shabbos. The Asay part of Shabbos is an essential component in if you're going to achieve what you what you need to achieve. Because we know that in the six days of creation as it were the six days of activity that you have in your life we know that you're not found at the highest possible level and therefore and shabbos, you're going to be elevated to the highest level but then you have the next shabbos what is that shabbos there's two aspects to the to the second shabbos the first shabbos you was the ase but you haven't quite got there yet First you need to use the second Shabbos from a complete cleansing, a Sur Meirah cleansing. And then to use the Shabbos on the platform, on the foundation of the Sur Meirah, which you've got in the second Shabbos so that you can have a full Asay Tov, and you can get rid of all the negativity and embrace all the positivity that you need to in order to achieve that which you need to achieve in order to get where you need to go and this is hinted at in the posuk which talks about a woman who has a child she has a male child what happens with all she needs to do is to observe seven days of uh, quarantine in order to achieve that um, the Toher status that she needs to be in in order to move on with her life. However, Zohar, marumas toiv. Zohar is hinting at asei Toiv. A Zohar, because a Zohar, we know a male is always a doer, Asei We know that male is always identified with people who do things, people who are active and proactive. That's the asei Toiv. Shekoy demachet Dai shabbos achas. One Shabbos is enough for an Asi Tov To get that aspect out of the way However If you have a a girl child You have a a little girl A baby girl Then you have to keep a two week period of quarantine Why should that be? You know why? Because there's some aspect of the female which is to do with the midas hayira, which is the aspect of yiras ha'shem to the fear of God. Isha Yiras Hashem Hi right? We say in Esha Schayel that there's some aspect of the Isha which relates to the fear of Hashem, Yiras shomayim. Shehu inyan Sur Meira, Yiras what, what what is fear all about? That is to remove all the bad from yourself. That's, that's another aspect of humanity. The Sur meira of the human condition, that is somehow um that the symbolism that exists between the male and the female the male doesn't have the sur meira symbolism but the female does because we see isha yiras hashem and that's after the sin then you need two Shabbos. It's not good enough to have one. You need two. It's a symbol. It's not because there's anything wrong with female. It's not because there's anything right with a male. But the Zohar, the symbol, is just for Toiv. But when it comes to the to the female, to the girl, then you've got this dual symbolism of Sur Meirah V'aseh Toiv. And therefore you need to go through a period at least by which there's going to be two Shabbos. Two uh, seventh days of the week, two days which you can call Shabbos. One of them is just going to be Asaytoiv, but it's not going to be enough. You need one which is going to be both Sur and So we understand that it's so important that the number seven is so emblematic of what it means to be a Jew. Because Shabbos, which is one of the first things that we see in the Torah, is such an important aspect of creation. Without Shabbos, there would be no creation. Without Shabbos, the universe wouldn't have a soul. There wouldn't be any life. You need Shabbos as the symbol. The number seven is so powerful. So much so that it percolates throughout Jewish tradition. And if you are somebody who has become ritually impure you must go through a period of time that's going to at least include one shabbos and perhaps two so that you can get through a um, a period of time that includes this concept of enlivening creation through the neshama through the neshama that god created via the power of seven we're going to leave it here for today thank you so much